All right, good morning, one and all. Good morning, XRP Hitman. Bless you, sir. Mimi M. Say no to the machine. Machine uh, equals 22 and has seven letters, and 22 divided by seven is 3.142. That is a common, widely uh, used abbreviation and uh, approximation of pi. Welcome, everybody. I am uh, your teacher of the mysteries, preacher of the heart, <clears throat> Marty Lees, and you are listening to the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. And we're back at it another Sunday, another Sunday, Sunday fun day. Today, um, well, before I get into that, we do service every Sunday to let everybody know, uh, Central Standard Time, though I will say the next two Sundays, I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen. I am I am officiating a wedding down in Missouri, and then I'm uh, marrying another couple uh, via, via, via the phone, via 5G. Um, and so that's going to be, take. I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen. I might do a live stream on like a Thursday and then, or just record something and upload it for Sunday, not exactly sure. But just to let everybody know that's what's going on. So we do service every Sunday, 9 o'clock Central Standard Time, just so you know. And today we are going to talk about the syllabus of Jesus. So this is going to be kind of a review for a lot of people, uh, or some people here anyway. But since we haven't covered some of this stuff, what we're going to cover in this uh, service today, in uh, any of the other lectures thus far, I figured it'd be a good way to you know, get into it. Basically, to you know, come to this recognition that the name of Lord Jesus Christ is a is a syllabus. It's it's a it's this sort of like perfect archetype in which you can learn all of these fundamentals about your world, and that's what we're going to touch on today. So we're going to touch on a bunch of stuff. We're gonna we're gonna find the cipher, the seventh fold cipher. We're gonna talk about this today. Talk a little bit about Gematria. Talk about the number six six six. We're going to talk about knowing thyself and what you know Gnosticism is all about, and that's recognizing what's right in front of you, what God has given you right in front of you. So, that's what we are going to be talking about today. And I thank everyone for showing up today. Really great. I think we might go see Chance down at uh, when we go to Missouri too. We were talking about that if we can make the time to do it. So, uh, if so, I'm sure maybe we'll do like a little video or something like that. But I also want to say thank you to Zoe, uh, Zoe, 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 Zoe. And uh, Marlene, they both sent me, really, Mar Marlene and Gary and um, Zoe both sent wonderful, wonderful little cards and messages. And I really appreciate that so much. I really do. It was so nice to uh, receive that in the mail. So um, if anybody does want to send any like donations or a card or just to say hello and et cetera, et cetera, uh, Jennifer will, I'm assuming, put the information in there. Well, I'm sorry, what oh, she's not listening to me. Okay, well, let's just continue oh, yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, 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 okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to run a church service here. I'm sorry, I was like, my tea in my <laughs> okay. <laughs> let's start. Let's start um, with a prayer. <sighs> o God, the King Eternal, who dividest the day from the night and turnest the shadow of death into the morning, drive far from us wrong desires. Incline our hearts to keep thy law and guide our feet into the way of peace that having done thy will with cheerfulness while it was day, we may, when the night cometh, rejoice to give thee thanks. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Okay, good. Like I said, we're going to talk about the syllabus of Jesus today. We're going to look at the syllables of Jesus and find out the syllables of Jesus are a syllabus in and of themselves. And we'll get into what a syllabus is and everything like that. But we're just basically going to look at Jesus Christ's name today. So the first thing we're going to do is show how... Uh, some people had asked, it's like, hey, do you, do you have a video kind of going over the cipher? We'll do a whole nother video on just the cipher itself, where we can find it with all the mathematical constants that are encoded in here. We've got squaring the circle. We've got the triangulation of numbers. We've got the squaring of numbers. we got pi. we got tau. We've got symmetry. We've got all sorts of things just within the structure of that cipher itself. Um, 
So we'll go over that. But today we're going to touch on some of this stuff and we're going to, of course, relate it to Jesus Christ. So talk a little bit about the cipher today. Um, so the first thing is, uh, let's, let's just get into it. The phonetics of the Alpha and Omega in Jesus Christ. So what we're going to do is find that this septenary cipher, the sevenfold cipher that we, we use on this channel quite a bit, is actually, you can find the structure of this within the phonetics of Jesus Christ. And we're going to talk about this, okay? First thing we're going to talk about today. So this, I'm going to read from my book quite a bit today. Um, pars partly, uh, partly, partially from the chapters on the occultation of the septenary mysterium. This is one of the chapters. Basically a chapter that goes and shows where this cipher comes from. Okay, I had somebody recently call this what we do over here in a very condescending way, the um, uh, secret decoder ring theology. <laughs> so we'll talk about that today a little bit. Um, <clears throat> actually, let me say this. There is a, if, you, if you look at the history of literature and you look at some of the greatest literary figures of all time, right? Like, um, a, a point out a few. Edgar Allan Poe. You know, guys like that, maybe a guy named uh, William Shakespeare. I don't know if you ever heard of him or not, but it is well known. It is absolutely well known. And it, it, you don't have to go to some tinfoil hat and nutter butter on the Internet. You don't have to go to some conspiracy theorists. You can talk to professors of literature and they will talk about this as it's just plain basic knowledge that the works, certain works of like William Shakespeare, Edgar Allan Poe, Blake, some of these people were encoded. They were encrypted. There was cryptology that was utilized in making these works of literature. And there's no question about it. You can go and look up Edgar Allan Poe and look at the gold bug and there's there's literally a cipher in that. But, you know, and, and literary scholars will tell you this, that the works of William Shakespeare have been encoded. Not only was cryptology and ciphering things into works of literature, not only was this well understood to be something that guys like Shakespeare and Poe and things like that did. But not only that, the whole idea of crypt making something uh, cryptic or putting a cipher or whatever into works of literature was popularized, was, was a popular notion that people, this was just common knowledge to many people back in the day. Okay. And so now we get to where we are today in our Christian modernity. And if you said to somebody, it's like, hey, well, the Holy Bible is a ciphered book. It's a book with encrypted information, right? People look at you like you're crazy. Except you mean to tell me that guys like William Shakespeare and Edgar Allan Poe had enough intelligence to cryptically put things in their literature, but the biblical writers didn't? The people that wrote the Bible were not intelligent enough, did not have the philosophical fortitude, did not have the you know complexity of mind and, and the strength of heart to encode and encrypt higher levels of information within the holy book. Is that the modern Christian's official position? Yes. That's insane. It's insane. Not only that, we, we know very well that the Hebrews in the Old Testament clearly Kabbalistically encoded their book. So here we have the Old Testament, and then we have a New Testament that's slapped on to be like, hey, that old stuff, that was very uh, heebie, if you know what I'm saying. And then, he, and, 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 you know, it's well known that there, an entire tradition called Kabbalah, that you ask any rabbi, they'd be like, yeah, that's, yeah, it's encoded, there's numbers in there and things like that. Then we get to Christianity, say, oh, no, that's, that's not a thing. That's a secret decoder ring kind of thing. So we're going to talk about the secret decoder ring theology that we talk about today. So... 
Okay, so the cipher. It's in the phonetics of the Alpha and Omega of Jesus Christ. The first and last letter of Jesus Christ, okay? Another way we may discover the septenary cipher. So in this book, let me finish a thought here. Uh, Lord Jesus Christ, I show a whole chapter, the occultation of the septenary mysterium, basically a chapter in all the ways in which this septenary cipher is found in our world. And like I said, we'll do a whole, a whole uh, stream on this. All the different ways, uh, with creation of uh, Genesis, there's one, a whole chapter on that. Of course, we're going to do this, the phonetics of Alpha Omega in Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about that today. Um, you can find the Word of God, Pi, Tau, and squaring the holy number seven. You can use uh, the monogram, the Christ, the Chi Road, literally the symbol of Christ himself to find the septenary cipher. The whole armor of God, Da Vinci's Last Supper, 3D coordinates, the menorah, uh, Hashem, the tetragrammaton itself encodes this cipher. The United Nations symbol encodes the septenary cipher. The emblem of Israel encodes the septenary cipher. Dice, the Ouija board, the Freemasonic compasses and square, which is what we'll talk about today, encodes the septenary cipher. The zodiac encodes the septenary cipher. The musical scale encodes the septenary cipher. The Arabic abjad letter system has the exact same numerical foundation being rooted at 7 and 28 that we find in our in our cipher here in the Holy Bible. So all these different ways in which you can find the cipher all over our world in symbols and signs and flags and, and games and the phonetics of Jesus's name as we'll, as we'll find. Now, I was under the impression for the last decade, naively, that modern Christians would be interested in this. <laughs> you know, you, when, you, when you present, especially some of these truth seekers out here, sorry, I'm kind of ranting before, but these truth seekers out here, you'd be like, hey, did you, here's a little bit of information. Did you know that the, that, the names Lord and God, using a seven-fold cipher that you can actually find within the musical scale, the names Lord and God encode chords. God is a G chord. And any musician could verify that. What I just said, there's not a musician out there that if you can count to seven and you could play a G chord on a piano or a guitar or whatever, you could verify what I just said. And not one person has done it. Why? Because they have to, Christians have to reject everything we do here because it pulls the rug out from what they believe. And who cares what they believe? Who cares what anybody believes? I want truth. I don't want your belief. I don't want your opinion. I don't want your conjecture. I don't want your thing. I've got some ideas. Who cares? We want truth. So I was under the impression that presenting that over the last 10 years, that people would be interested in that. And that was foolish. That was absolutely foolish. I thought that all of these Christians online would be like, wait a second, did Marty Leeds just say that the names of God and Lord encode musical chords and that I could verify that? Well, let me just see if that's true. And then you could go verify that and see that absolutely that's true. <clears throat> but we don't live in that world. We live in an age, we live in an eon in which that's not their concern. They don't care about that. And so that's, the, that's just the world we live in. There's nothing we can do about that. By the way, that idea that God and Lord encode chords is literally just a footnote in this book. I'm not trying to toot my own horn or anything like that. I'm just saying that that right there, what I just explained to you, if you want to take a screenshot of that, that's a footnote in this book. The fact that God and Lord encode chords. Okay, so let's move on. Where do we get this cipher? 
Well, I just showed you a bunch of different ways or talked about a bunch of different ways, the Ouija board, the emblem of Israel, but we can get it within the phonetics of Jesus's name because Jesus's name, the syllables of Jesus's name is a syllabus in and of itself. The phonetics of the Alpha and Omega of Jesus Christ. The seven in this cipher, seven, by the way, the number in which the entire creation is created upon. Six days resting on seven, we all know this. The seven is on the GNT in this cipher, as we all see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Um, it's on the GNT. That's where we rest. This is the syllables of Jesus's name. This is the, yeah, the, 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 excuse me, the phonetics, excuse me. Another way we may discover the septenary ciphers through the phonetics within the title of Jesus Christ. The Messiah's name as it is translated into English is given us as Jesus, with this being established in Matthew. We all know this, okay? Um, when we look at the name, notice that the first and last letters of his name, Jesus Christ, t Jesus Christ. Listen, listen to the phonetics. Where do we start? Where do we land? Where do we, where's the alpha? Where's the omega? Notice that the first and last letters of the alpha omega in his holy and great name are the letters J and T. Now we don't say, we, the, the J is a long G sound. So these letters in our modern English tongue are pronounced with a long G sound or a Jesus and a short T sound in Christ or T. These phonetic sounds captured within Jesus' name actually represent where the two sevens are found in our alphabetical cipher. Jesus Christ. By placing these two sevens there and then walking up and down sequentially to connect them in our alphabet, we find the cipher yet again unveils its simple construction. So just the phonetics in his name presents you the septenary cipher. If you can, if you look at it with the right eyes, if you if you understand that this is these are this is a mystical text we're dealing with here. Unfortunately, not enough people understand that. This is um, a lot. You know, when I want to mention this, when you know the secret decoder ring theology kind of thing, this this that sort of um, perspective on what what we do over here, and you know, in general. A lot of people will say like, oh, like this is somehow like my stuff or it's like, oh, that's Marty Leeds work or he's got this special thing, cipher kind of thing or whatever. I don't think people recognize that I actually come from a tradition. It's a very well-established tradition and it's a tradition that all, nearly all Christians think is demonic and that tradition is the occult. I come from a tradition of, P of Gnostics, occultists, Kabbalists, and Masons, Rosicrucians, those sorts of folks. Now, I don't, I don't go to any lodge or anything like that. I don't participate in social lodge Freemasonry or I don't go to some, the, you know, the Knights Templar Rosicrucian. I don't do any of that. But I read the heck out of that literature for, you know, a, a good portion of my adult life. I come, so the things we present on this channel, I've said this many times. If you like what I present here, at some point, you're going to have to go and thank the tradition of Masonry. I don't know another truth seeker that's going to come out and say something like that because most truth seekers think that masonry is all a bunch of devil work. No. Actually, what Freemasonry was trying to do was help you understand the Bible, was trying to help you read the Bible so you could actually comprehend what it is you're putting your eyeballs to. Now, modern Christians absolutely throw away all the tools, every single tool which will allow you to take the key, Unlock that freaking book, open it up and understand it. Those Christians throw it away and call it demonic. They look at that and they say, that's, that's a demon symbol, something, something, blah, 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 blah. No, it's not. Do you know what that is telling you about? Christ. G 
Jesus Christ. That's the seventh letter. That represents this cipher. That's exactly what it represents. There's lots of things it represents, by the way. So the Masons all this time, unbeknownst to most modern Masons as well, um, unfortunately, because that's, that's just how it is. Everything's in a state of deterioration right now, as we, as we see. Most modern Masons don't even understand this, okay? But that's, this, this is the problem in our world, is that we have a bunch of ignorant, people that are ignorant that come to these highly complex, highly charged subjects, and then don't actually challenge their fundamental beliefs on it, and then come to wild sweeping conclusions without essentially doing any homework. Well, if you do your homework and you treat masonry honestly, it's going to lead you to do things like this. And for those of you that are listening at home, I'm holding up the book, Lord Jesus Christ. So that's what that, that's what that's all about. That G, by the way, that's the seven, and that's 22. S-E-V-E-N is 22 divided by seven is 3.142. Okay? So... The, the, you know, the people that are d denying stuff like this or that completely, most of the Christians of this world, 99.9999999999% of them that absolutely dismiss this are dismissing basic math that a 10-year-old could do. And that's where we are spiritually. That's where we are theologically in our day and age. Now, we have a, ch we have a chance to turn that around, don't we? We have a chance to to educate the ignorant, to allow ourselves to open up the book once again and allow the magic to pour out of the thing. We have the opportunity to do that right now. I wonder if we will. I know that from the, uh, I'll, I'll just say this, the responses I've got in the last month from a bunch of people, I, I know this, that... Um, they're not interested. They're not actually interested in understanding their religion. They'll come out and openly say it. And so that's where we are. So <clears throat> let's find out all the things that are encoded in his holy and great name, shall we? Let's be adult about it. A syllabus. Jesus is a syllabus. That's what his name is. It's a syllabus. That's what Jesus' name is. What is a syllabus, Marty? A syllabus is defined as a compendium containing the heads of a discourse or the main proposition of a course of lectures. In our spiritual convictions, we understand that Jesus is acknowledged as the light of our existence, our path to the immortal, and the ultimate teacher and provider of our life lessons. This recognition we may take to heart when we unveil the base 10 system, which is what we'll do today within his name. What we will identify and confirm with ease, with ease and simplicity of number is that the name Jesus is a syllabus itself composing and embodying the divine principles which God has used to create the world. As we previously uh, clarified in the book, um, God has used um, these principles, these, these ten emanations, as we're going to understand them, have been written on our hands and our feet, allowing us to recognize, visualize, ascertain, and confirm the power of Lord Jesus Christ is within us, all around us, and his glory is elegantly displayed upon us as well. By dissecting the grammatical and phonetic makeup of the name Jesus, we will see that we are given distinct clues as to the mysteries that are held within his name. That is, if we have eyes to see and ears to hear, just like Christ said, right? The first syllable, G, in Jesus is phonetically identical to the sound of the letter G, with G being the seventh letter. 
A, B, C, D, E, F, G is where we rest on the cipher. That is a musical, that's the seven notes of the musical scale. So all of these things are coinciding. The music, the geometry, the phonetics, the syllables, his name, occult symbology. It all goes right to the center of the monad. <clears throat> this G is also where we rested to establish the septenary cipher. This phonetic G or Jesus not only points directly to the mathematical word of God being pi, uh, being the transcendental ratio of pi, but also allows us to veil, unveil the numeric structure behind our alphabet. Okay. The word sus, uh, my friend actually was the one that pointed this out, VBBK, if you're listening. The word sus, just as it is pronounced in G, sus, Jesus in English, right, is defined as to infer or discover or figure. That's what sus means. When you want to suss something out, you want to discover it, you want to figure it out, you want to suss it out. Therefore, Jesus's name, if we understand it phonetically, is actually giving us a mystical directive. Sus, discover or figure out the holy number seven. G, sus, sus it out. Where is that seven, guys? Just as we said, triangulation of seven is right here. It's down below. God has hinged all of this stuff on a number. So you could get to the number and be like, oh, wait a second. The entire creation was created in seven days. And then it's right here and then down there. And then when I'm walking through seven days, you, you get what's going on here. By applying, this is what the Bible is trying, the level of consciousness that the Bible is actually trying to get you to understand. It's trying to lift you out of that ignorant state of where you don't understand this stuff, just like I didn't understand it for the longest time. And it's trying to lift you out of that to say, no, learn, suss it out, figure it out. By applying our septenary cipher and separating the syllables in Jesus, Jesus, we find the following breakdown. Um, J-E is four, five, and S-U-S is 666. Now, when I said that I come from a tradition of a, tr a tradition of a Kabbalist, numerologist, occultist, Rosicrucians, Knights Templar, you know, Masonic, all of that sort of stuff, right? That this is the tradition from which I herald. This is what I study. This is what I put my nose to the grindstone in and I buried my head in books. I'm like, God, I want to know this stuff. And anybody that knows what I've done in the last like 10 years knows that that's just a, a fact. I'm not, you know, I ate this stuff up, okay? My friend Ryan gave me this book and it's an absolutely fantastic book. It's Christian Rosenkreutz. There's like, I think there's Steiner in here. There's a bunch of, you know, different, um, talks about the alchemical wedding. Yeah, this is the writings uh, and lectures of the Austri Austrian philosopher and educator, Rudolf Steiner. In the center of this book is an, um, it's an Egyptian, or excuse me, a German alchemist, um, geometrician, that sort of thing. And so what it has is these reprints. My friend Ryan gave me this book, and it's such a fantastic book. Hope I can see it. So it's a bunch of pages of this sort of stuff, right? And you can even see it says, I'll show you this. It says, oh, you can see the 666 there. You see that? Oh, what are they talking about? They must be the devil worshippers talking about the Okay, so <clears throat> there's the German version, but here is the English version. So they translated all of this stuff. So ancient, you know, Rosicrucian manuscripts and things like that, that they translated from German into English. This is what it says at the top of this page. I'll just show you this. It says uh, the septenary mysterium. That's what it is. Septenary mysterious, okay? And this is what this says. And this is from like 18 something. I don't know if there's a date on here. Anyway, this is what this book says. Ready? Oh man, 
no God in thyself, and thou shalt not want in heaven and in earth. Deceptionary, mysterious, the mystery of seven. About the hidden, listen to what he says here. About the hidden, holy, wondrous cipher, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, being full of divine secrets and natural obscurity in the light of mercy and of nature, that is, the revelation and true and right knowledge of Jesus Christ, God and man, all earthly and heavenly wisdom in heaven and on earth. So I'll show you that. Hopefully you can see it. I don't know if you can see it there. Oh, holy wondrous cipher. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So when, like, when people come to this channel and say, you know, something like, oh, this is like Marty Leeds's work or this is hit. No, it's not. I've said that for years. It's not mine. I don't own this. I'm not in possession of it. All I do is come from a tradition that understands it and I'm honoring that tradition. And that's what we do here. That's what we do here. We honor the tradition of people that dedicated their lives to God and dedicated their lives to trying to understand the Bible and understood it. And those people, my brethren, the guy, why, why I defend this stuff is because when people come and they shit on masonry, they get, what you're doing is shitting on people that dedicated their lives to write stuff down, to pass on to future generations so that this stuff could be recovered. Those are my brothers. Those are my brothers. And I'll defend them till the last breath in my lungs. So that's what's great book. Someday I'll just pick apart this thing, man, because Jesus, there's just so much good stuff in here. There's like all these old alchemical like manuscripts and paintings and illustrations, and it's just got tons of them in there. So good. Okay, so the true and right knowledge of Jesus Christ, and then he says, "Oh, holy, wondrous cipher one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay, so. Dividing Jesus, let's get back to Jesus here. Dividing Jesus, we see here, J-E-S-U-S, 45666. Dividing Jesus syllabically into syllables, we uncover the numbers 45 and 666. Now, 666, wait a second. Finding the number 666 encrypted within the Lord and Savior might make many Christians feel uneasy or give them a certain reproach. But 666 in particular is a number riddled with superstition and a genuine lack of understanding of the true depth of the message that the Bible is trying to convey with this number is completely lost when such a fear-based mindset is embraced. And that's exactly what pretty much every Christian and most truth seekers I know, they'll see a number like that and they'll be like, oh, they just start freaking out. It's like their brain shuts off. They can't function because of a number. Most view the number 666 as some sort of sigil or purely demonic numeric entity, which is ridiculous, crafted straight from the hands of the devil himself, but nothing could be further from the truth. The entire language of math, every number in existence into infinity, including 666, is a magnificent purposeful construction and invention from the creator himself. God made all the numbers, not the devil. The devil doesn't make anything, as we'll see. The infinite nature of number itself is a direct expression of his infinite nature. What we must first do is understand the role of evil and the powers of the devil himself before we can truly understand why 666 has been attributed to the beast in the book of Revelation and as well why we find 666 in the name of Jesus Christ. By the way, in the book, I also show how it's not just in the English name, it's in the Greek name as well. The original Greek name of Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus Christos, right? Um, we're missing one. Expistos, right? Um, in code 666. 
So it's not just an English phenomenon at all. As securely codified in the biblical narratives, the devil is nothing more than a fallen angel, an entity that God has cast out, rebuked, and admonished. The devil makes nothing, can create nothing, and has no inherent divine powers of his own. The devil is a thief, a counterfeit, a liar, a cheater, a tempter, an enchanter, nothing more and nothing less. Throughout the Old Testament and the New, the devil is continually and specifically defined and given attributes that clearly show he is nothing more than a beguiler who attempts to swindle souls through temptations of immorality, idolatry, and inhumanity. Satan's role is that he simply opposes good, wishes evil upon others, and tests one's faith in God. In the entire biblical narrative, the entire thing, nowhere does Satan have the power to rival the Lord God. Satan is always and will forever be under the control of God's almighty power. To assume or believe that Satan, that old serpent the devil, could ever rule over the almighty God is to show the most egregious loss of faith in our Holy Father. With this understanding, we must therefore come to the conclusion that the number 666 is not, in fact, a number owned and created by the piercing serpent himself, but instead it's a number of God, whose fallen angel adversary, the devil, has merely co-opted and abused for his own malicious and wicked purposes. If we are to come to any other conclusion such as this, again, we face lacking true faith in our blessed creator. You're given way too much credit and power to Satan. The verse that most rely on to associate the number 666 solely to the devil is found in Revelation 13, 18. A score is the number 20, and therefore the verse declares the beast to be 666. We all, we all know this. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of man, and his number is 603 score and 6. Is somebody asking about the book? Yeah, people are asking. Too. Oh, it's not even in print anymore. Good luck. Go to eBay or something like that. Once, Let me stop here. Let me stop here and say this. Do you know where you're going to find books like this? Do you know who has kept them? Well, I, my friend Ryan was a Mason. He, he's no longer part of socialized masonry because of the same reason that I'm not part of it or Amor is no longer part of it because most of those people are not seeking. They're like no different than a lot of the Christians that go to church, you know, and stuff like that. So there's that. But where you know where you'll find books like that that you can't go into Barnes and Nobles and get anymore? You have to, you know, scour on eBay? Join Masonry. Join Masonry. Because they're the people that actually hold on to this stuff. And they're like, oh my God, this is a beautiful, this is a freaking, um, I'm sorry, this is an amazing book. We got to make sure that this is, you know, the people read this in the future. So let's keep it on our bookshelf while the printing houses, you know, that's where you'll find these books. Once again, the Christians are the very people that, that admonish this stuff. So... A common trick of the devil, so we read Revelation 13, 18. Hey, here is wisdom, let him that hath understanding. This is where people essentially understand where 666 comes from. A common trick of the devil is to shroud himself with that which is divine. A common trick of the devil is to shroud himself with that which is divine. Satan wraps himself up and disguises himself in that which is holy, good, and beautiful. For this is the most effective and easiest way to misdirect those who seek God's light. A wolf in sheep's clothing. Satan's wrapping himself up in 666, so you will never go there. That's what he's doing. It's a key. It's one of those keys to unlock the door of the Bible, to unlock the door to Jesus' name and understand what it all means. And so it's like, well, I, the Satan comes along and be like, well, I better wrap myself up in that so people will run far, far away from it. 
Anytime they see that number, they're going to be like, I got to stay away from that. Marty Lee's is dealing with the 666 over there, blah, 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 blah. And that's what happens. And that's exactly what happens in our world today. <clears throat> a wolf in sheep's clothing, sheep clothing. This is evil's most distinguishable trait. Satan bathes God's light in darkness. Expressly so that those who search out the light will willfully turn away from that which is glorified and holy. Satan, in this sense, is the ultimate boogeyman. That's what he's doing. Don't go here. And everybody does, and everybody, they start freaking out. Instead of being like, eh, piss off, you enchanter, you thief. As Revelation informs us, 666 is alleged the number of the beast. But the story doesn't end there. Just a chapter later, after the pronouncement of Satan's ever-feared number, we also hear of what happens to those who face this demon and claim victory over him. And I saw, as it were, this is Revelation 15, and I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire, and them that had gotten victory over the beast, and over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name, stand on the sea of glass, having the harps of God. Let's read that one more time. And as it, and I saw, as it were, a sea of glass. We're talking about the glass dome firmament above, by the way. And all those saints that were standing up there on the top of the sea of glass, singing the songs of Moses and the Lamb, all of those saints up there killed the beast, cut the dragon's head off. You remember the dragon that was like, six, 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 that guy? They went and went, and then they had gotten victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name. They stand on the sea of glass having the harps of God and they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God and the song of the Lamb saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, thy Lord God. Almighty, just and true are thy ways, thou king of saints, they said. Zero fear. Here is wisdom. As we can see, though the devil is declared to be 666 in Revelation 13, 18, such is of no concern to those who had the fortitude to slay the dragon. Oh well. As we are told lengthily, those who defeated the serpent had victory over his mark, over his image, over his name, and over his number. 666. And it was they who were to stand on the sea of glass singing the songs of Moses and the Lamb. It was they that who had faced and conquered the dragon that were glorifying an eternal life, wondering at the marvelous works of God. If we fear 666, we fear but unity with God. <clears throat> Why? So Jesus was, as we all know, what did the devil do to Jesus? Tempted him because he's a tempter. Jesus himself was tempted by the, and this is what we've, we found in the last how many chapters of Mark? We've been done, what, 11 chapters of Mark? And anytime the scribes and Pharisees show up, they'll be like, oh, they, they tried to twist his word and tempt him and, and blah, 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 blah. They were always trying to tempt him, always trying to con contract with him and stuff like that, right? So Jesus himself was tempted by the devil, brought him up to a high place and was like, you can have all of this stuff, just worshiping and things. And we know very well what the responses from Jesus was, the enchantment, these, these enchantments and enticements. Jesus clearly rebuked the offers from the devil and rejected all three of Satan's commandments, making bread from stones, casting himself down, worshiping Satan, and ruling over the kingdoms of the world. We know those. Jesus knew his place, his holy place was in life eternal, and that no man can live by bread alone. Sustenance must come from God, not from the devil. With every temptation, Jesus commanded victory over the devil and over his image and over his mark, and most assuredly, most assuredly, over the number of his name. And after Jesus rejected him, 
He had command of his number, and hence why we find 666 in the name of Jesus. The, the serpent stood no chance against Jesus. Jesus was in command of the number 666 the entire time. So we find 666 in the name of Jesus, and what does that tell us to do? How many people would see that and then be like, wait, wait, does that mean Jesus is Lucifer and he's the devil or something? Is this some sort of trick? And it's like, well, no, you have to, you have to actually read the Bible. You, can, you have to finish the story. Otherwise, you're just going to be in the grips of the boogeyman the entire time. The number 666 unveils itself in a natural Trinitarian division within the base 10 system. And this is where we're going to find out Jesus Christ. The number 666 unveils itself in a natural Trinitarian division within the base 10 system. And this breakdown is actually located on, uh, on modern day cell phones. Once again, a lot of this is review, but it's important. By dividing the 10 emanations by three, and we'll get into all this, disregarding the zero because zero is nothingness. You're not, that's, it's a, it's a placeholder, that sort of thing. What we uncover is the number 666 right within the 10 principles that God used to manifest the entirety, entirety of his glorious creation. And we'll get into this. So here we have on modern day cell phones, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And then you got the zero at the bottom there. Just adding across uh, one plus two plus three equals six, four plus five plus six equals 15, one plus five equals six, and seven plus eight plus nine. Those are multiplication. I think I screwed that up anyway, but you get it. Seven plus eight plus nine equals 24, and two plus four equals six. So just adding across, one plus two plus three equals six, four plus five plus six equals 15, one plus five equals six, seven plus eight plus nine is 24, and two plus four equals six. Well, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine adds to 45. So 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 adds to 45. 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 adds to 45. And from this 45, you get 666. And that's Jesus' name. 4, 5. 0, 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. 10 total digits adding to 45. And from those 10 digits, you get 666. called a phone, by the way. It's called your phone, your cell phone. It's phonetics. <clears throat> so now in this breakdown of, of, of this base 10 system, 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, the three numbers that end that, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 3, 6, 9, 3, 6, 9, all divisible by 3, too. 3, 6, and 9 are all divisible by 3. 3, 6, 9, correct? Tesla had something to say about that, didn't he? If you only knew the magnificence of the 3, 6, and 9, then you would have a key to the universe. That's exactly what I'm saying. I'm saying, now I'm not putting myself on par with Nikola Tesla or anything like that. I'm saying I'm just in agreement with Nikola Tesla here. That 3, 6, and 9, that everybody's like, oh, I wonder what he means. I wonder what he means. You know, it's, it's in Jesus' name. One zero one two three four five six seven eight nine adds to forty five. You add those across in the Trinity, and what do you get? Six, six, six. I'm saying Tesla knew what he was talking about. I'm saying Tesla probably knew a lot of this stuff. Jesus's name 
is a syllabus. It's a, it's a course of lectures containing all of this information in five letters. The base 10 system is the decimal system. This is the system in which the entire, according to my tradition of Kabbalah, the base 10 system are the 10 emanations of God. And that those are the 10 alphabetic numerals, we'll get into this, that have created the entire creation. The Kabbalists basically say essentially this, that the, the world is created with a combination of numbers and letters. Now, when I first heard that, when I first started getting into this, I was like, that alone got me to be like, what? What kind of crazy nonsense is that? They're, they're literally claiming that the world is made by numbers and letters and stuff. Well, now I totally understand what they're saying. But what they were saying is that this is a found the mathematics and the mathematics behind languages is the foundation of holy books. And there's no question about this when it comes to the Old Testament. All of a sudden you get to the New Testament and everybody loses their shit when you say that. Well, that's the that's your tradition. That's where what, where's the disconnect here? What's going on? So the decimal system is decamines 10, or the digits 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. These 10 units are the foundational mathematical system underlying all of creation. All other numeric systems may be created using these 10 letters or numbers of this alphabetical language, because that's really what you're talking about here. When we speak of the number 10, we speak of both the prominence of the number 10 itself as displayed on the hands and the feet, as well as the preeminence of the decimal system, or units 0 through 9. What's important here is that's an alphabet. That is a numeric alphabet. God put it on you twice. Every other number in creation could be created with that. Those numbers right there are the foundation of every single branch of study of science. There's not a single science that you can do. Not, correct me if I'm wrong. There's not a single science that you can do in which you will not be utilizing mathematics at some point. Period. These 10 numbers that are encoded, not only are those encoded in Jesus' name, the Trinitarian breakdown is encoded in Jesus' name, as well as 666 that you get from that, as well as the 369, all within five letters. That base 10 system, these 10 numbers, units, or emanations, because that's what Kabbalists call them, the 10 emanations of God, right here. You're made in the image of God. These 10 numbers or units or emanations 0, 1, 3, 5, 79 may construct and create any other number in the entirety of existence. It matters. It doesn't matter how large or complex that number. You will be using those to create that number. Just like he was like, hey, I want to I want to spell the word the. Well, I'm going to need a T here and I'm going to need an H here and I'm going to need an E here. I'm going to put those together and then I have the word the. You use the letters of your alphabet to create your words. Those numeric words, you have to use the letters of an alphabet, and God has given, it, give us, given us this alphabet below, on our feet, and right here. And not only that, the importance of this alphabet, this numeric alphabet, has been crafted specifically and expertly in Jesus' name, the five letters of his name. These 10 numbers, units, or emanations, 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, may construct and create any other number in the entirety of existence. It matters no, how large or complex the number is. It is these 10 units or numeric letters that compose every number in existence. And thus, these 10 numbers are complete. They're complete in that they represent the totality of the creation and make up a natural numeric alphabet in and of themselves. The alphabet of the divine is what I call it universal language that is available to all peoples regardless of any and all differences this alphabet is so important 
Not only has it been crafted into the name of Jesus, but it's been placed on your human body twice. This is faith. This is what we discussed as faith. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. We, we have a hope, and there's a substance to that hope. You put, you put that out into the world, that hope, that the, 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 the desire of salvation, that sort of thing, there's a substance to that. Comma. The evidence of things not seen. We know what evidence means. It's the available body of facts or information indicating whether a belief or proposition is true or valid. So I'm going to say, hey, I've got this thing called faith, and I'm going to tell you it's true and it's valid and everything like that. Well, the good book is saying you better have some evidence for that. It's not just blind belief. It's not just blind acceptance to stuff. It's the very opposite of blind acceptance. It's the evidence of things not seen. We have that evidence. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed. Framed by the word of God. How do you frame something? If you're going to frame a house, what would, you, what would you be using? When you went to construct the frame of that house, what would you be using? Would you be using number and geometry? Of course you would. So our world is framed by invisible things. And we have evidence of those invisible things. What are those invisible things? Numbers. The very thing that's encoded in Jesus' name. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. There's a word, what language does God speak? As we always say, math. So that things which were seen which are seen, were not made of the things which do appear. <clears throat> For the invisible things of him, of him, the invisible things of him, from the creation of the world, all of this stuff since the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. So when we talk about the world being framed, geometry and number are the evidence of things not seen, and hence why it's so important to understand Kabbalah, because it's the root of the book itself. Okay? When adding together the base 10 system, we yield the number 45. 0, 1, 2, 3, 0, 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. We add those together, we get 45. The first two letters in Jesus, J-E, 4, 5. Accordingly, we may assign this 45 to the J-E in the first syllable of Jesus, the syllables create a syllabus. This is the most ingenious and, um, excuse me, accordingly we may assign the 45 to J-E and then of course the 666 to the sus, sussing it out. This is the most ingenious and simple way one could imagine encoding the ten emanations of God into a single name. For not only does Jesus show us the triangulation of the base 10 system, triangulating base 10, now we're into triangles. Literally how you create, using the uh, exponential, you know, excuse me, sequential number line, zero, one, two, three, you are triangulating the base 10 system into a triangle. And what, are, are, he's the Holy Trinity, right? He's part of that whole Trinity, Holy Trinity thing. You see what's going on here? This 66645 thing is the most ingenious and simple way one could imagine encoding the ten emanations of God into a single name. For not only does Jesus show us the triangulation of the base 10, 
It is as well references the power of the Trinity by separating that base 10 into three with the numbers three, six, and nine being divisible by three. So not only does he create a triangle just within zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, then you take one through nine and you break them up into three and then it gives you three numbers, three, six, and nine, which are divisible by three. Then Jesus's name using the septenary cipher here sums to 27. So J-E-S-U-S is four, five, six, six, six. This sums to 27, which is three cubed or three times three times three. The power of the Holy Trinity is all over his name. This numeric configuration is not just found in Jesus, though. It's in the angels or the angles, the angles of light. The angels, the angles of light of the Christian angelic, angelic hierarchy. This numeric configuration, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, is also celebrated in the Christian angelic hierarchy. It must be noted here that the clear linguistic connection between the word angels and angles. We can relate these nine angles or angels to the units one through nine. Which, by the way, when you, you know, when you look at these geometrically, right, past one, one, two, into three, you actually are given specific angles for that geometry. So it's not like it's a, it's not like it's a, you know, it's the, literally the same spelling. You're switching an L and an E. And then actually from those angels, when you relate them to numbers as they should be, they actually give you angles, like specific angles. Why didn't the, if they wanted to tell you about numbers, why didn't they just go and say like, hey, this is one and then that's two and this is three. Why did they make them seraphim and powers and seraphim, cherubim, thrones, dominions, virtues, powers, principalities, archangels, angels. Why didn't they just say nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Why didn't they do that? Why don't, here's, here's a, here's a, to help you wrap your head around why they would personify these things or, you know, uh, anthropomorphize numbers in the way they do. It's the same reason why you would anthropomorphize. Is that group of stars up there where, where I see Orion every single night? Actually, it's over here now. <clears throat> what it would see Orion? Is that group of stars actually a hunter? No, no, there's, there's clearly not some dude hunting rabbits and uh, bulls up in the canopy of heavens. Why would we why would we construct a figure like a hunter made from those stars? Because you're telling the story. You're telling a story. That's a story of the stars up there. And the same thing is happening with the fundamental axioms of this creation that God has placed on your hands and your feet and is coded in the name of Jesus. There's your Christian angelic hierarchy. Nine eight seven literally nine angels angles split into three just like it is on your phone seraphim cherubim thrones dominions virtues powers principalities archangels angels there it is <clears throat> by adding once again adding the trinitary division of this christian angelic hierarchy we we get 666 all you have to do is recognize that those angles or angels are, repre are representing axioms of creation that God has placed in front of you, and you will get the exact same thing that you find encoded in the name of Jesus. And all you have to do is not be scared of some stupid devil that came along and be like, six, six, six. The syllables of Jesus are a syllabus in and of themselves. 
The holy name of Jesus is our teacher, and his first lesson is to count to ten. Our heavenly Father teaches, our heavenly teacher provides us with the G needed to uncover the septenary cipher, as well as our spiritual directive to figure it out, suss it out. He gives us the triangulation of the base 10 system, adding zero through nine, gives us the triangle there and reveals us, reveals to us the power of the almighty number Trinity, Trinity within that base 10 system. All this wisdom, all of this knowledge within two syllables and five simple letters. You got Christians crawling back through 2,000 years of history looking for Jesus, and he's right in front of you. That's a problem. That's a problem. We're going to try to do our best to try to fix that problem in this world. First thing I say in uh, my book, Lord Jesus Christ, is this. And I'm absolutely 100% serious about this, too. <laughs> of course. The first time I saw Jesus was on a trillium flower. True story. The trillium flower is a gorgeous threefold perennial expression. You guys know what a trillium, trillium flower looks like? There's a trillium flower. See that? Tri meaning three, of course. When Jennifer moved, do you remember? When you moved to Oregon, the first place that we got was on Trillium Street. Yep. It was long before, this is when Jennifer, she, we just fell in love. She packed up all of her shit and left Hawaii on a whim. Like, right, I'm going to go try to live with this guy. <laughs> Good luck. Oh, damn. <laughs> Went rolling the dice there, didn't you, girl? Anyway. Um, <laughs> she, synchronicity. Synchronicities, guys. It's long before I ever even, I was even considered myself a Christian or anything like that, right? Long before I'd ever thought about writing this book, right? We moved to a place. First time we lived together. Dog, you know, moved the dogs in, picked her up at the airport, the whole bed, and the place that we lived was called Trillium Street. So, I just wanted to say that. So, there's the Trillium Flower. The first time I saw Jesus was on a Trillium Flower. True story. The Trillium Flower is a three, is a, a gorgeous threefold perennial expression of God's design and a flower very prevalent and abundant in the Pacific Northwest. The Trillium is a sizable flower with three large leaves at its base, three smaller leaves in the center, and then three petals making up its white flower, all attached to this central stem. <clears throat> so I was walking in the woods one day. It was like not two minutes into my walk or five minutes into my walk or whatever, and I looked down and I, and I was dealing with all of this stuff. I, I hadn't even, I don't even think I had uncovered the cipher at that point, I want to say. I know, I hadn't because I was still in Oregon. So I was dealing with a lot of this, the Trinity, the triangulation of numbers, the base 10 system, trying to understand the base 10 system, all the, you know, all the, the, the divisors and how they interact with one another and the mirroring and all this other stuff, just really heavily engaged in this study, you know, philosophizing on it, studying the shit out of it day in and day night. As my other relationship was falling apart, I put time into this. So anyway, um, I was walking and I looked down and I was like, wait a second. Look at this flower. The very things that I had been studying, this Trinitarian breakdown of the base 10 system, all this other stuff, right, that you would think is wrapped up in a bunch of numbers and stuff like that. Here I look down and I'm like, wait a second. All of this beauty, all of this design, and it's based on what? Something so simple that a child could understand it. Three. And that's how God works. The mysteries ultimately come down to something so simple. And that's how it always, that's how, you know, generally that's how it always is. Is like, you know, the magic has always been there and it just takes the right consciousness in order to see it. 
So these three petals, you know, leaves creating three different levels of the trillium, tri, would eventually lead me to find this exact same numerical breakdown encoded within the name of Jesus. <clears throat> Seeing the Lord manifesting in the structure of a flower that day sent me on a road of personal discovery that would allow me to eventually find the Lord manifest in everywhere I looked. And that's how it should be. You shouldn't have to comb through 2,000 years of history to go searching for your Savior. You should be able to open your eyes or close them, and he's there. Little did I know at the time that the path I walked that day in which I looked down and found the Holy Trinity on a trillion flower would be the path that would lead me directly to Lord Jesus Christ himself. I went hiking with my mother and brother the other day, and we were just surrounded by trilliums. We took this path as my good brother and my good mama. And uh, you can't, it's hard to see in this, in this video, but they were everywhere, you know. But it was just like, it's, you can see them all there. And I zoomed down, they were just everywhere. It was so cool. And there's such beautiful flowers, too. Look at that, so. Anyway, that is the, this is the doctrine of, of Jesus. The doctrine of Jesus. It's, trine, by the way, is an astrological term, doctrine. It's an aspect of 120, 120 degrees. 120 degrees is a trine, an aspect, one third of a circle. So it's a third. So it's all dealing in threes. And this is the doctrine, the doctrine of Jesus. All have to do with three. Now, unless we go in and actually start studying the, the, the uh, you know, numbers, how they relate, uh, how you find them in nature, what their corresponding geometry is, etc., etc. All of this stuff, all of this actual information that's encoded within the Bible that has been cryptically encoded in there is lost. And it is lost as we see today. Most Christians are lost because why? As I've said, they completely reject all of this. They go out of their way to reject the very keys that allow them to open up that book and understand it. Trine is 120. Lord Jesus Christ, four letters in Lord, five letters in Jesus, and six letters in Christ. Three names. Lord Jesus Christ. Four, five, six. Four times five times six is 120. It's a trine. It's the doctrine of Jesus. How many, how many trinities are in I mean... You're triangulating the base ten, you know, the base ten system. You've got six, six, six in there, but that's divisible by three. You've got three, six, and nine divisible by three. You've got his name multiplying out to one twenty. When, when you see the base ten system encoded in the name of Jesus, okay, what is the, what is, what do we take? You know, this is like we, you know, just like they said here. It's the first thing. Oh, I gotta find this thing. Is like three something? <clears throat> The first thing that this this thing says, so it talks about 666. It's showing you symbolically what's essentially what's going on here. The septenary mysterium, 666, uh, you know, this, uh, the, all of this, the wondrous cipher, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. The first thing it says, though, is this. Oh, man, know God in thyself. The Bible is trying to teach you to understand who you are, that you are made in the image of God, that you are a divine being. 
And not only that, that God did not just place you in some, some world with all these questions and no answers. No, the answers have always been right in front of you. Always. And Jesus' name codifies that, solidifies that. Know thyself. This is, uh, I think this is, yeah, Yaquin and Boaz there. This is the male and female coming together, the great alchemical marriage, the union. It's on the cross. They're holding up the Holy Grail. She's holding the serpent. She's got that serpent. You see that? She's like, bitch, I got you. You're not going to fool me. You ain't tempting me. You're not enchanting me. You're not enticing me. I gotcha. And they're holding up the Holy Grail right on the cross with the dove. And what's right above them? It's a five-pointed star. It's a pentagram. You mean like the five letters of Jesus' name? Um, it's no CT ipsum or something. I'm not sure how you pronounce that in Latin, but it's man know thyself. Well, what does know thyself mean? This is where, this is what it means to be a Gnostic, is to know, is to not have conjecture or a belief system or I've got, I'm holding a belief system which I can't defend or anything like that. It's actually to know. Know in here, know in here. The Delphic Maxim, this is the Delphic Oracle, is really what Know Thyself essentially comes from. Perhaps the most famous of these maxims is Know Thyself, which was the first three. There was three maxims in the Delphic, the Oracle of Delphi, the Delphic Maxims, Temple of Apollo at Delphi is what it is. Perhaps the most famous of these maxims is Know Thyself, which was the first three maxims carved above the entrance of the Temple of the Elf of Apollo, Apollo the Sun God. Uh, Delphi. Apollo, by the way, was the sun god that went to the moon in our occult NASA, you know, when they went to the, when they went to the moon. Remember when they went to the moon, they walked around on there? And then they blamed Masons and then all the and all the truth seekers fell for it. Remember that? When they blamed all the Masons? And then all the truth seekers fell for it. Um Ralph Wald Ralph Waldo Amerson wrote a poem called, I don't know if you guys know this, Know Thyself. This poem, Emerson's poem, it's Gnothi Seoto. I don't know how to pronounce it. I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm sorry, I got a super chat here. Artie Clapadu, thank you so much. Never went to the moon, I know. It's a joke. You obviously, you could tell that was a joke, right? Obviously. The poem was an anthem to, <laughs> I can't even crack jokes anymore. Uh, the poem was an anthem, so this is Ralph Waldo Emerson. The poem was an anthem to Emerson's belief that to know thyself meant knowing the God which Emerson felt existed within each person. This is exactly what Gnosticism is all about, is under, understanding it, knowing the God that lives in here, knowing the expressions. The same thing that's crafted right in front of you is in Jesus' name, to know it, okay? I'm just going to read a bit from this because it's a pretty good poem. 1831, if thou canst bear strong meat of simple truth, if you can't bear this strong meat of simple truth, if thou durst my words compare with what thou thinkest in my soul's free youth, then take this fact unto thy soul. God dwells in thee. It is no metaphor, no parable. There's no metaphor, no parable. This is not metaphorical and parabolic. No, God is actually within you. It is unknown to thousands and to thee, Yet there is God, the self-same God, by the same law, makes the soul of angels glad and the souls of devils sad. See, there is nothing else but God. Wherever I look, all things hasten, ba hasten back to him. Light 
is but his shadow dim. Shall I ask wealth or power of God? Who gave an image of himself to be my soul? As well might swilling ocean ask a wave or the starred firmament a dying coal. For that which is in me lives in the whole. And that's what it means to know thyself. K-N-O-W, using that wondrous, holy, sevenfold cipher, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, the right and true knowledge of Jesus Christ and of God and man, of all knowledge of heaven and earth. No. And that wondrous sevenfold cipher, we're going to use it on the word no. Why is no spelled with a K? Canal? Huh, that doesn't make any sense. Maybe it's because they wanted to encode some math in that word. Maybe the people that had crafted our language or whatever, received it, whatever it was, maybe they were really, really smart. Maybe they were like crazy, wicked smart like those. And they actually encrypted things within the books and language and things like that, like Shakespeare and Poe. Maybe the biblical writers did that. No. K-N-O-W is 3124. Take the vowel out. What do you have? 314. You have pi. You have the numbers of pi. The first three digits of pi. K-N-W is 314. It's also a numeric anagram permutation of 3142. <clears throat> what it means to know thyself is to know what's right in front of you. And know that what's right in front of you comes directly, expressly, you know, just comes straight down from on high and goes made in the image of God and put right in front of you. And God's like, hey, just, just look what's right in front of you and know it. And that's why Gnostics know what's up. Gnostics, Gnostics know what's up. We're not fooled by the devil and his 666. We're not scared of numbers and geometry. We're not, we can pick up a book and I can pick up the Bible and I can use my own discernment and my own critical thinking skills and we can understand it and actually read it. And that's what we do here. It took me how long to be able to actually pick up that book and be able to decipher its meanings after years and years of knocking, knocking and asking, like, what the hell does this mean? I don't... And so as we continue forward, um, opening up the Bible and, you know, and, and picking apart these chapters and things like that. I just really hope that people, um, you know, it, it uh, inspires them to, to start understanding this stuff themselves and start learning it themselves. It's why I, you know, I wrote this book because it's as much as a reference manual as it is a teaching. I mean, this is, a, this is essentially a textbook for this school, our, our, our academy here. Um, one of the things that we do go over in this book is the base 10 system, wherever it is. I have no idea. Uh, so what I do is I actually go and um, I cover the 10, ten emanations of God. Um, and then we actually go through and we actually we talk about the, pro the, the, the qualities, the properties of that base 10 system.
Okay, zero, one, what is the, you know, what is the geometry? What is the, you know, is it a prime? Is it a non-prime? What, what does it mean philosophically? What's the definition of duality and unity? That sort of stuff, basic, basic stuff. How you can't have a resolve of conflict unless, unless you have three things. Hence why the Trinity is so important. You've got a left, you got a right. Oh, they're always going to be fighting. They're always going to be polar unless you bring the third point to it. All of these sorts of things that we, we cover in the book, okay? So that is the syllables in the syllabus of Jesus. Okay? And that is going to do it for me today. I thought that was a pretty good way to spend the morning. 133 watching, thank you so much. I do have uh, Totally Inspired every Sunday. Thank you, Marty, for your teaching. Special. Thank you, Steve Holding. I do, I'm working on uh, Pi in the English Alphabet volumes one through three. I combined the three into basically a under 200 page book. Just like edited the heck out of it, and you know a lot of the other stuff I had covered in some of the other books, so I kept that out. Like I, you know, I did Kabbalah and like squaring the circle in this, so I really, you know, I already covered it in this, so I kind of took it out of some of this and just focused on some of the other things that I didn't cover in, in Lord Jesus Christ. And this would be, you know, this and and definitely um, Lord Jesus Christ will be, you know, they're just great reference books and textbooks, if you will, to to start learning this stuff. Okay, because um, that's what I'm here to do is to teach it. You know. Um, you know, as we said, we, we read all through Mark, the last 11 chapters of Mark, whatever. And I don't know how many times it's like it, Jesus goes and he taught them. He, he, he went and specifically tried to teach people, right? And unfortunately, we don't have those teachers in our world today. They're, it's slim pickings, you know? There's not that many of those people that are, that, that are you know, monitoring the lighthouse so that the light keeps going so that you can welcome, you know, get to the welcoming shores of divine truth. There's not enough of those people tending to that lighthouse. I think I took that metaphor too far, but you get what I'm saying. And so that's why we do what it is we do here. So I want to thank everybody that um, does come by and, and leaves a donation or just a nice remark or signs up or buys a book or, or gifts a book. All of that stuff is uh, means the world to me. And it's how this thing keeps going. You're awesome, Smarty. God bless. Thank you, Small Axe. Thank you, Small Axe. Love you, Marty. Thanks for your teaching, Linda Kelly. Okay, thank you so much. Deborah Stiley. Am I saying the name right? Is it Stiley Stilly? I'm going to call you Stilly because one of my good friends is Stilly. I, I, I tell Jennifer, um, I say, I, say uh, I was like, God, baby, I don't, you know, this crazy world, I don't, I don't know what I'd what I'd do without you. And, then he, and she's like, well, you'd probably be getting drunk with Nathan Stilly. And I'm like, that's probably true anyway. So, <laughs> thank you, Chris Nana. Okay, beautiful Sunday morning. Thank you. Thank you. Um, head on over to Gnostic. I don't, I don't have the screenshot, but Gnostic Revelation Mysteries. Gnostic Revelation Mysteries. Oh, you posted it? Okay, cool. He's got a new um, teaching there. It's like 10 minute, I want to say something like that. A Gnostic interpretation of the cross, which um, good stuff. So. Uh, Julie Pridal, awesome. Once again, thanks. Thank you so much for these services. Love and blessings to you this week. Thank you so much. If you do get a chance, stop on over to GnosticAcademy.org and become a member. You can become a member for five bucks a month, 14 quarterly or 54 for the year. And that's the best way to support the work. Like I said, I like to keep it cheap because people are hurting and stuff like that. But I do, I do know, I know. <laughs> Thank you, family. Thank you, Eric C. Um, I do uh, know that you know, what we do here is, is, is worth that. It's, it's worth it. Um, and so for those that have eyes to see and ears to hear, you know, this is, this is where you can go. So, okay. Uh, that is going to do it for me. I don't have, oh, I always forget my end 
that's all right. We don't need to do that today. I can I can just, uh, if you get a chance, stop it over to NasticAcademy.org and support the work. Okay, that's going to do it for me. Guys, thank you so much. We're going to listen to um, Aloha, Keep Well. Thank you. We're going to listen to another Ryan Adams tune. Uh, I've been digging this new record that he put out. Ryan Adams put out four records this year. Let me say that. Well, not, well within the last year or whatever, like the ending of last year and then this year. He's put out four records, and two of them were double records. <laughs> Holy shit, I feel like a slacker. Holy God. I was like, I didn't put out four books this year, so this guy put out four records this year. And this one record called Chris is just absolutely fantastic. So anyway, I want to play a song from that on the way out. So that's going to do it. I will see you guys next. I, I'm not sure because, like I said, I'm going down to Missouri. I might not be live on Sunday. I might do just like an upload and then premiere or something like that. But um, we'll figure it out. So um, And I'll try to let you guys know if you guys want to follow on the Telegram or, or whatever. That's the best place to figure it out in, in case I'm not going to be here Sunday just because I'm traveling. So, But uh, all right, that's going to do it for me. Guys, Zoe Zoe, love you. Daniel Stearns, love you. Deborah, love you. Okay, that's going to do it for me. Guys, um, love you. As always, many blessings and much love to all. Let's rock out.